Hello, and welcome to Women in Strength. This is the podcast that goes far beyond what they teach us in Cert 3 and 4. My name is Rasheen Hawley, and I'm going to be spending this time with you every single week, jumping into the real-life challenges, the real-life topics that we face as a coach, as a business owner, and as a woman running her own business in the fitness industry. I've been in the industry since 2013, where I started out as a sole trader in a commercial space, and now I own my own gym here in Melbourne called Barbell Babes Brigade. I absolutely love being in this industry and I love educating and exploring the things that come up on a daily basis. I love to help other ladies really explore their capabilities as a business owner, as a coach and seeing what they can do. Because the thing is, when we create businesses as women, we are unrivaled. We have a power that is so untouchable and I really, really want to explore these topics that quite frankly can stop us in our tracks sometimes. So strap in, we've got lots of stuff to cover. Hello and welcome to episode number 32. Now today's one is called the bloodline of your business. Now I I believe that this episode is relevant for everyone in the fitness industry, regardless of how long you've been coaching for and running your business for. So if it's one to two months or if you've been ticking over four to five years, I think the concepts that I'm going to discuss today, everyone needs to open their lens on um, and really needs to consider where on the continuum they are and what might need to be done in regards to the concepts we're going to talk about. So bloodline work of your business, this basically refers to the foundations that I believe are constantly going on in your business that require constant work. Um, And I do think that a lot of the time as we stay in the industry longer and longer, we can take our finger off the pulse with a lot of the stuff and kind of think that we're beyond it. Um, but I just, I see that the foundations and the basics needing to be refined and constantly needing to be worked on because no matter if you've done work before on certain spe- like specific things, um, they're going to change as your goals change, as your life changes, as your clients change. So they're not, they're not a set and forget. It's definitely something that we need to keep looking at. So I've got five things that I'm going to discuss with you today, um, and these, I believe, are just core core focal points that you need to keep pulling up, and I hope to discuss like what they are, um, why we need to have a look at, it, look at it, and also what are the implications and consequences of this area of our business if we're not willing to, at some point, like drop the ego, quite frankly, or put more attention into these focal points. So I hope you can get a lot out of this episode and I hope it will give you some things to consider. So one of the first concepts, um, the first topics that I want to discuss that I believe no matter where you are in the industry, you are always going to be sharpening your sword on this and this is your coaching abilities. Um, You know, I think that coaches will tend to think that when they first start the industry, they're very open to wanting to learn. Um, But as we go further in, we, you know, naturally we get interested in certain things and and certain modalities of training and, and certain ways of doing things. However, there is so much value to be taking from different different training methods, um, different people that you learn from. There's always things that you can be learning. And especially if you're running a business, like you can't sell a shit product. You can't like you can't sell consistently a shit product over and over again with 
you're not when you're not getting results for your clients. I mean, look, of course, actually, like, of course, you can sell a shit product because there's plenty of things in the fitness industry that do sell, and we all know that they're a load of shit sometimes. But if you're wanting to be in the space of helping to transform, helping to get tangible results for clients, like you are forever going to be learning different methods, different protocols, different ways to do stuff, different ways to talk to people. Um, and I think that we need to always be sharpening our sword because we we work with human beings, right? Like it's more than just muscle groups. And I think that we can do a lot of technical coaching. Um, we can do a lot of troubleshooting in terms of movements. But I think there is a big area of, of knowledge that we shy away from. And that's learning about the human aspect of our clients. So your coaching abilities, they will directly impact, obviously, the results that you can get for your clients. And the results that you can get for your clients will hugely determine, you know, word of mouth, referrals, who's going to sign with you, um, the authority in which you can hold, how much your clients trust you with your coaching practices, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, we are not beyond learning and refining our work and becoming masters in, in our art of coaching. Um, I think that this is something that we all need to be aware of and we need to be consistently keeping our finger in the game of doing technical courses every single year um, and also branching into scopes that you might not do. So I know when I first got into the industry, I very much did a lot of technical courses because I didn't feel confident in my abilities as a technical coach. So, you know, I feel um, I built out those skill sets and that directly impacted my confidence um, and obviously directed the result direct uh, directly reflected the results I was able to get with my clients um, and I stayed in that for a while because it was safe but as I stayed in the industry I started to branch into work that was a lot harder to understand it raised a lot more discomfort within myself because um, I saw a lot of the same things in my clients as myself. Uh, so, you know, if you're if you're finding that you're staying within one thing when you're learning and signing up for courses, I urge you to branch out and maybe start considering what some alternative routes that you can do that will ultimately help your clients. Um, my biggest advice here is that humans and, and, you know, our clients are more than muscle groups. So um, I really urge you to start thinking about the emotional side of dealing with your clients and how you can help them with language patterns and, you know, just the words that you might use and the tone that you might use. I think it's important to do some work around human behavior and emotional intelligence. So regardless of what you choose to do, um, that is always something that you will need to keep your finger on because of also, our clients, like our clients evolve, right? Um, our clients evolve in their life stages. Uh, they go through different experiences. And if we can be the person that can help navigate and pivot those changes with them, get them results and help them through that time, then obviously they're going to they're gonna be thankful and they're going to stay with us as well. Um, and alongside that, obviously, we do have new clients that come into our businesses. So, you know, you've got to be prepared to understand how to work with different people in your business and how to get different people. People, different results. So I think that's important to remember there is coaching, like coaching 101, technical coaching, behavior type coaching, habit-based coaching, like 
human beings we work with that is that is the nature of the work that we do and if we don't put them at the forefront of our minds and if we don't put them at the forefront of our learning we we're not going to be able to get them results and our business is built on our clients they are the number one bloodline of our business so always always be reading learning signing up for courses doing whatever kind of floats your boat and resonates with you however push yourself out of there. Like don't just go to for the coaching things that feel safe to you. Okay. So that's number one. Um, the second, the second topic that I want to discuss that you will forever be doing in your business. And I do believe you need to, this is a skill set that you always need to be practicing. And that is work around sales and work around money. Um, I literally talked to so many coaches that their biggest, one of the biggest things that's stopping them from growing their business is beliefs they have around money and how that directly impacts their sales skills. And sales is, it's an interesting topic, right? Um, I know like when I first got into the industry, I hated sales. Like I found it so uncomfortable. Um, I never wanted to ask people for money. I had lots of stuff going on around how much, how much I could charge, if I was worth it. Does my business and my services justify charging that amount? Um, I had a lot of, like I had a big story around money. Um, and I, I always didn't, like I, I always didn't feel abundant in money. I was always, always driven by money in a scarcity type of mindset. Um, and I didn't realize until hindsight how much, the stories around money really affected my sales abilities. Um, and personally for me, I did a lot of work on reframing sales and opening into these beliefs that I had around money and earning capacity and all of that kind of stuff because I wanted to get better at sales because I wanted to increase my prices and I wanted to have consistently booked numbers in my business. So sales is not just like the role play of actually doing the sales. It's also your underlying beliefs around sales and your underlying beliefs around money, because whether you know it or not, it does impact how you show up to a sales conversation. And if you're not confident in who you are as a coach, who you serve, what are your services, what are the results that you can get for someone? Um, you're going like that's going to impact how you show up and how you present a price or how you navigate that sales conversation. So there is always constantly work to do on sales and your beliefs around money. Um, and sales, like for, for lots of coaches, sales is an uncomfortable aspect of being a coach. And if we think about, especially here in Australia, the certifications that we do, like you don't do a lot of work on sales. And then we're thrust into obviously working in a gym, whether it's a commercial gym or a boutique type facility, like you're still at some point going to have to do some level of sales. And it can kind of be like you're drowning because you don't know what's going on. Um, so I encourage you to be constantly practicing your sales skills. And yes, that does involve doing some fucking role play because guess what? You're going to be having these conversations with clients anyway. So you need to literally practice what it sounds like to say something or what questions to ask or also practicing what kind of tone might be appropriate for different people or when to turn up the tone a little bit or when to back off in terms of a sales conversation because sales is an art and especially the industry that we work in like if you think about it it, it is a luxury for people to have personal trainers and coaches it is it's it's 
you know, people have to have disposable income and disposable money to want to come and get the services that we offer. So it's not just like you can just kind of rely on someone coming and giving you money. You still have to show up and show them why your services matter to them and how they are going to benefit. So it's it's a funny one, um, especially if you have got that stuff around money. It's going to impact how you truly show up. So I want it, you want to do stuff like role role play. You want to like I used to do this all the time, and I still do it sometimes. Um, I used to like practice my conversations when I was driving. Um, so if I had a consult or a, a pitch in terms of signing someone up, you better believe like I was on and I was practicing my conversation as I'm driving to the gym um, or I'm putting my headphones on and going for a walk and just getting in the zone because sales like sales is a prerequisite if you want to have a business. Okay. You can't, you can't get around it. So practicing these, these, the skill set and actually treating it with the same respect as you would do to your coaching practices and your technical abilities. It's like hands down something that I, I do see coaches neglecting. Um, and I know that people neglect it because it's uncomfortable as fuck. Like it's uncomfortable to talk about money, especially when you have stuff about money and the person that you're talking to has stuff going on about money. It's just, it can be a really awkward conversation, but it does not have to be like that. Now, the way that I really started to lean into getting better at sales and actually enjoying sales, I really love I love just having sales conversations now because of the work I've done and reframing it. The way I see sales now is that you got to think like when you're initially having a conversation with the client and you're about to sell a program to them, training, whatever it might be, like you are building a new identity for this person. You are like going to be someone that is the catalyst for change. And that is fucking exciting to me. So I like to think about sales as merely a conversation. And that's how I approach all of my conversations now. Um, well, all of my sales, sorry, as conversations. Because I want to know about this person. I want to know where they've been, where they want to go, what have been the struggles, like why have they not achieved the goals before and they've literally had the same goals for like two to three years. Why is that happening? And I just want to have a really open and honest and empathetic conversation with them so we can get to some of the deep-rooted stuff of why they're not getting their results. And that to me, that's not a sales conversation. That is a conversation as a hum one human being to another. And then at the end of that conversation, naturally it goes into the point where I'm going to tell them how I can help them, why my services are a benefit to them. But I feel confident in that aspect because I've understood who they are and I've taken that time to really get them as a person. Um, and that's why when I get to the sales part and I get to talking about money, like I don't feel awkward or I don't feel uncomfortable because for one, I know I can get people results. And for two, like that's exciting to me that they are in a position now where they're in front of me and they literally can change the result of where they are and where they want to go and I can help them get there. So sales needs a lot of work, guys. And I think that I think that a lot of coaches don't do it. Okay. And you've also got to think that all these things that I'm talking about, all these topics that I've got um, to share with you today, they always come on a continuum. So when we first start in our business, let's just say the first one, like, yeah, the first 12 months, your sales for the first 12 months is going to be about fully booking yourself out, right? It's going to be about retaining your clients if their package comes up for renewal. It's all about getting to that earning capability and the earning capacity in which you want for the first 12 months. 
Now, that's what your challenge is going to be, is like literally learning the skill set of how to sell to someone through a conversation. So it's like a step-by-step guide, and that's where you need to spend your efforts. But as you stay in the industry, you know, you're going to want to change things in your business because you still want to grow, but you've probably reached an earning capacity of how many sessions you can run with how much you charge, and you're at an income, you know, standstill. And so you're looking at other ways to earn more money and to grow your business, which could be like things like changing your model. You might then start looking at a semi-private model. And of course, like when you're then selling a different product and a different model, that's going to require you to have to sell again and sell in a different way. Because the thing you're trying to sell, which is a semi-private model, that's going to have a whole unique set of benefits, features, um, objections, all that kind of stuff. So the continuum then revs up a little bit and your base level skills are now going to something different because you're selling a new product. And then the continuum just keeps going. So as you stay in the industry, you might want to take your prices up. Okay. So you might want to take your one-on-one prices up um, to continue to increase your business and your earning capacity. And with that, now you're selling not a low level price for personal training. You're now selling, you know, $100 to $150 per session. And you better believe that that type of like conversation and that type of sales approach is going to be different than selling something that's like $60 to $70 per hour. So your sales skills and your ability to converse with someone, make them feel comfortable, make them understand why your services are beneficial to them, like that's going to look a different way. And that's going to be a different conversation when someone wants a hundred plus dollars per hour, as opposed to 60 to 70. So you can't, you can't take your finger off the pulse. And I do definitely find that sales skills, um, when you stop doing them, And when you have to go back into them after a period of time, it's scary. It can feel quite confronting. So I'm always encouraging coaches to literally keep their finger on the pulse. Even if they've got a fully booked capacity, it's still still practicing these skills because there's going to be a point where you need to pull out these sales skills again. And you just want to feel relevant. You want to feel confident with these skills. So sales skills and also doing work on your money mindset, like it's it's always going to be something that I do believe as coaches and as business owners, we need to invest time, energy, and care on, okay? Because without, you know, good sales skills and without the ability to hold a conversation and make someone feel comfortable, like you can't sign business. And if you can't sign business, you can't have an earning capacity within your business, okay? All right. The next one that I want to talk to you about is lead generation. Um, I think that lead generation is always a topic that you know, you should keep your, you should keep relevant on. Um, And again, like what I was saying about the sales conversations and your sales skills, it is on a continuum. So in the first 12 months, you know, you are getting to it, like you're starting in the industry and you're like, okay, awesome. I want to sign this many clients. I want to earn this amount. So you're going to be doing a lot of lead generation when you start to get yourself into a fully booked capacity. And when you're doing lead generation, you have to remember that not one strategy is going to be it. There will very much be one strategy that will like shine above and might be one of the biggest areas in which you get the most amount of leads coming through. However, I don't, I think it's important to diversify your strategies for lead generation. What if your Instagram account were to be blocked and closed down and that's your best strategy for getting leads? What would you do then? What if your email was hacked and then your newsletter database somehow was hacked as well and you lost all of your email database? Like, what would you do now? 
Um, if you wanted to move out of a full commercial space and in a commercial space, we know that there's members everywhere. What if you then decided that you wanted to go to a boutique type gym with not a lot of people walking out alongside on the street, like what would you be doing then? So I think it's important to diversify how you actually generate leads because, you know, put all of your eggs in one basket. If you take that basket away, where are you going to go now? Um, so yeah, that just, just really consider that. Um, because I do think sometimes when we have something that's working, of course, like we want to keep going down that route and, and using what's working, but it's cool and it's a good idea to try other things as well. Because as we know, when we're in the industry, a lot of people in the industry want to keep growing, want to keep expanding. So whether that's increase more money, whether that's helping clients for more specialized goals, whether it's getting your own facility, like as you want to grow as a coach, um, like you're going to require to have more leads coming in or different leads coming in, depending on who you might want to work with. You might want to niche down specifically to a particular clientele and you don't have those clients now. So you're going to have to generate leads that are particular to who you want to serve. Obviously, if you own a gym, you need to know that if people were to leave in your business, you have generation strategies in place to fill those spots because when clients leave, your bills are still going to be racking up and you have to still be able to pay them. So I think it's important to try and test different generation strategies um, and just, you know, have a back burner and have in your toolkit things that work, things that don't work so well, um, but just know that you've got the abilities to generate business if and when you need. And I think that when we get to a point where we're fully booked, right? Like that's the dream, right? Is especially if you're a solo coach in a in a commercial space or a boutique place, the dream is to have a specific um, earning amount and have that booked. And when we're there, I do know that sometimes we can like take our finger off the pulse. We're like, fine, I don't need any more clients. But when a client drops off, how does that actually knock you? Does it make you feel like shit? Does it make you like have a little bit of a heart palpitation because you're like, oh, fuck, I've lost one client here. And then it makes you, you know, feel uneasy. And then you might lose another client. And it's all good and well when it's going well. But when it, when it doesn't go well, like you can start to jump into that fear-based behavior and that fear-based thoughts and feelings. But if you've got backups, like it's just part of the nature of our industry. And so I think it's important to have there. So when there's fluctuations with business, because there is going to be fluctuations with business, clients will at some point potentially drop off. Clients might change price points. Um, they might go on holiday. They might have fluctuations with their attendance, whatever it might be, right? And anytime that those things happen, that is going to directly like change your income. Okay, so you are at the whim of your clients. And if you're at the whim of your clients and you're not safeguarding your income by having different generation strategies so that you can plug gaps and plug holes, then that is on you. So if you want to have a business that has a consistent turnover from week to week, month to month and growing, then you've got to have these things and you've got to, you know, foresight plan around them. Because I know that this industry is well known for having, um, like turnover and having weekly amounts that can change. And people think that it's hard to have financial security and consistent earnings in this industry. Well, yes, it is like that. If you don't plan, it can be very methodical and you can have consistent weeks, not just when you're doing well, but you can plan to have consistent weeks and months if you have backup strategies to fill your books. And you'll be able to see different 
um, you'll be able to see like different patterns. So you'll see that, let's just say September. September is a really busy time in a commercial space. You'll see that attendance might be really high in spring and summer because it's it's sunny. People do feel more motivated. The attendance in which you have with your clients could be really great. So obviously that will influence directly influence your income. But you might also start to see patterns of when it becomes winter. You might have a 30% drop in attendance and if you're not keeping your finger on the pulse and you don't plan for that 30% drop, then hello, 30% drop on your income as well. But you can very much plug that by having lead generation strategies or other strategies to buffer your income around these different themes that you see and these different patterns that you see. Um, so that's why I think lead generation is sometimes we just think about it as clients drop off and okay, we need to generate some more leads, but it can also be thought about as safeguarding your income from week to week, month to month, so that you can continue to have a great earning capacity and then also grow from there. So lead generation, like I encourage you to always be keeping your finger on the pulse, thinking about different ways, even when you're fully booked, just trying and testing a few things. If you're fully booked, you can still have people on a wait list. That's a fucking good position to be in. Don't wait until you have need to have new clients. Be proactive about it because if you're proactive about it, your income is going to be obviously the result of that. And if you aren't proactive, then your income is going to suffer. Okay, now the next one, um, number four. So number four in keeping our finger on the pulse and you're always going to be doing work because it is bloodline foundation work is systems creation and systems refinement. Now, systems, oh my gosh, this is like one of the biggest topics of my life um, with my own business and also the coaching in which I do with the ladies I work with. Now, why do we even have systems? So systems for a fitness business, the number one reason why I believe we have systems in place is to safeguard our energy and ensure that we can keep running our business from week to week, month to month, no matter what is going on. Okay. Now I say that as number one because, and there's some other reasons um, that I'll discuss as well. I think this is number one because we know that this industry is like it's a difficult terrain to work in as a whole. Um, I talk about this with my clients actually all the time. And it's like, you got to think we are in an industry where we are helping people to push forward with goals that are proactive and positive. Okay. We're helping them to get stronger, to get out of pain, to um, feel good about themselves with consistent movement, to look to change body composition, which will influence them personally. Um, there's a lots of positive work that we do. However, the paradox, is that the right way to explain it? The oxymoron? I don't know. The opposite of that is that it can be quite a hard industry to work in. We are working really early mornings, really late nights. Um, you know, we can often work back to back in, in particular busy periods. Um, we have lots of admin to do. We have programming to do. There's always, you know, people that are messaging us. We're dealing with mixed emotions from our clients. And what that means is it can impact, you know, our eating habits. It can impact our consistency with our training. It can often be that we get in a sp position where we're actually more unhealthy working in a space where we're trying to help people get to that state of whatever health looks like for them. And I think it's really interesting. Um, and I didn't realize how much that was going to happen until I was actually in the industry. Um, you know, there's definitely been bouts throughout the years of points of my life where I've been like the most unhealthy. I've 
I've been stressed out. I've been tired, under eating, um, and I felt like shit. But conversely, my clients were rocking it in the best way possible. So it's interesting that the more that we're focusing on our business and, and our clients, it can be the result of ourselves sometimes. And the whole point of having systems in place is to safeguard and conserve our energy because it is a high energy job. Like you are obviously always on your feet and then you're expending energy, emotional energy um, uh, next to that. You're working, obviously, those really weird hours sometimes. So systems are there to be like, hey, girl, I got you. And, you know, if you've got a new client coming in and you've got a a couple of new clients coming in over, over the next couple of weeks, systems that you can have in place for your onboarding is so that you don't necessarily have to not think about it. You still need to think about it, but it's just a step-by-step guide that you've already done for yourself so that when you're in that position of going, Oh God, I'm a little bit overwhelmed with all the things that I've got to do. You can just bring up your system, whether it's documented or whether you know it on like in your head and go, okay, cool. That's fine. I've got step one, step two, step three. So it's just to help cut through the bullshit that can go through your mind when you're in that stress and overwhelmed state. Um, Because like there's just so many tabs that are open constantly when you're a coach and you're a business owner and we want to close some tabs down so that we can actually recoup our energy in the weekends or whenever we have downtime. And I truly believe that if you've got solid systems in place, they can carry you through in those times of when you're tired and when you're exhausted. Um, they just streamline. They streamline everything. You know, you can always, you can also have systems in place to answer questions that might come up consistently because you know what it's like. Like clients will ask some of the same questions over and over again. And, you know, if you were to just be a, think about it on a little bit more of a smarter move, you could be like, well, fuck, I keep answering this question every single week. What can I do to give my clients some education and some information? Not necessarily so they don't ask questions, but so they've got some base level stuff there. And then you can go and open up into deeper level questions or whatever it might be. So there's just so many things that you can do from a systems point of view. If you stop and think about the things that are frustrating you in your business Um, Think about the things that are zapping your energy time and time again, and think about the problems that consistently come up. Those are like three big red flags of where you can point your attention and start to create some systems. Okay. So think about that. Like, listen to that one again. Those are three ding, ding, ding points that you can go, okay, cool. This is constantly pissing me off. This is always fucking with my energy. And this is always coming up from week to week. What can I do to make this a system? How can I make this easier on my life and on my business? Okay. Um, System. So system creation. Okay. It's obviously there to help help you um, run your business and and help it be easier for you. Now, you're always going to be refining your systems as well because every level of growth, every, every, sometimes every quarter, every year of running a business in the fitness industry is going to be a little bit different. And that means that, you know, you might need to refine some of your things. Um, I'm personally in a, in a state of refinement right now. So we haven't like, as you can imagine, um, cause I love systems so much. We have systems like every, everywhere in my, my business. Um, but we're going through a little bit of refinement around onboarding, um, about how we can make that a bit more streamlined for clients so that they don't feel like they're getting bombarded with too much information when they start. But we also want to get that information out to them. So we're refining that particular system just because I think we can do it better. Um, and because I keep hearing some 
some of the same things coming up like, oh, sorry, I missed that in an email. Well, why does that keep coming up that that new person into my business has missed that in that email? Maybe there's too much information in that email. What can I do to make that easier and for it to sink in for that client more? Um, so that's a big thing is always, always think about like, how can I do better? Um, even though I might have a system in place, like, is there something that's maybe not working as efficiently as I want it to? Is there constantly questions that are coming up in regards to this topic still? How can I change it? Um, and how can I pivot it? Another thing, another reason why I believe it's important to have systems is if you want to grow and have a team, you need to fucking have systems in place. Um, and I was having a conversation with the coach yesterday um, that's starting up in my six-month mentoring program, and she wants to grow a business to – she wants to grow her team to have coaches so that she can eventually open her own gym. And the thing is, like, you got to think when it's just you as a sole trader, like – it's fine. Like everything come back, comes back to you. So all the thoughts are in your head. You know, you know what you've done, you know what you haven't done. But when you want to go ahead and have another coach into your business, you need to know that the service level in which they're offering is still a class fucking service and that they're following through with the way that you want to do it. And you can't expect someone to do that if you haven't created a system, documented and also communicated it to them. And what that means is that if you've got a shoddy system when you, sorry, if you've got a shoddy service when you bring another coach on, regardless of if, if it's the other coach that's running those sessions, it still comes back to you as a business owner. My business still is my business and my name is everywhere. So, you know, it's not, it's my responsibility to make sure that the people that work in my business have clear communication and clear guidelines to do things the way that I want to do it. Because if they don't do it and the impacts are lost business, clients not getting results, etc you know, and I don't have systems in place, that's not necessarily on them. That's fucking on me. And that responsibility is me as the business owner, because I get the highs of running a business. You know, I get, I get to have my own facility and I get to have the clients that we want to train and have the environment that we want to train. However, the lows, they also come back to me and I want to prepare and safeguard my business for those lows and to try and mitigate as many of those things going on. So if I've got other people in my business, I want to give them everything that they need to do their job well and to get the results that we are after as a, as a company and to keep pushing the needle forward with the vision and the goals that we have as a business and systems will allow you to do that. Don't expect expect someone to be able to read your mind. Um, and this was a hard pill for me to swallow when I first started having staff. Like no one understands my mind unless I tell them. And even when I do tell them sometimes they still don't get it. So because I can be like, you know, the way that I explain something might not resonate with them. So make life easier for everyone, for yourself, for your staff, because ultimately with staff, if you don't systemize things and make it, make it easy for them, do they want to stay working for you and your business? Probably not. Like it could be a fucking, like a fuckery to stay with you. So create these things in place so everyone can succeed. Okay. And with your systems, never think that it's a set and forget. Of course, the whole point of systems is to help you um, navigate business and make it easier. But don't think that once one thing's done, it's not a chance to refine. Um, when it comes to refinement, like we are very much refining. Um, not necessarily quarterly, but definitely like six month chunks will be like, okay, cool. What's going on? Is there something that we can be doing with this particular system? So it's not beyond us guys. So really have this as a focal point as well. Now, the last thing which I wanted to talk about that I believe is the bloodline of your business and something that you will constantly be working on and is on the continuum is marketing channels. 
Um, and this is quite similar to lead generation. You know, I think, I think about like when we got into the industry, I like half of the stuff that I do now and that I've learned over the years of being in the industry, I had no fucking idea that this is what it would be like. I genuinely didn't know that I would have to spend so much time on sales, lead generation, social presence, marketing channels. Like I kind of feel like when we sign up for our certifications, like not that they deliberately leave stuff out, but like I feel a bit shortchanged in the information that I was given when I first signed up. It definitely wouldn't have changed whether I signed up or not to do my certifications to become a coach. But it's I, I, like it's it's hard to see and be in the stuff and you didn't get told it when you signed up. So that's why when I'm talking to coaches now and like working with coaches, I'm working with a whole lot of new coaches right now. Um, I'm letting them know about these things and also letting them know about the consequences of it because sometimes you can hear and go, yeah, cool, lead generation sales are important, but unless you understand the impacts and the consequences of it, you kind of don't give it as much time or invest your energy into it because you can't see the impacts. Um, but marketing marketing is something that I do believe you need to keep your finger on the pulse. So because it does directly impact your lead generation and getting new clients, so getting obviously client acquisition, um, but marketing can also help your current clients. So I like to think about marketing on respect of two particular realms and marketing can kind of like the, the description of it can feel a little bit like convoluted, like what does that even fucking mean? But the way that I think about it in a fitness business is that marketing can be used to connect with your current clients more, better, deeper, etc. And marketing can be used to acquire new clients. That's how I feel about marketing. And um, and that's how I navigate my efforts in that realm. So I think it's important to consider how you can market your services, uh, how you can market your community, whether obviously social media is going to be a big one. You've got obviously all of your social channels, but what else can you be doing to put it, to put your name out there? How can you get involved in the council? How can you get involved in your community? How can people know who you are and what you do and if you are the person in business for them? So there's just so many different things that you can do going to like you know, different markets or going and doing, putting yourself outside in a shopping center or doing little cards that you can give to clients or, you know, doing specific things online. Like there's always things that you can be doing just to get your name out there and just to share your knowledge, to expand your reach as a coach and as a business. And that's that's what we need to have a look at constantly for lead acquisition. Now, however, I like to think about marketing because I know when I first got into the industry, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on like social media and doing websites and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's not why I got into the industry. I fucking loved co coaching and I love coaching. Um, but I think it's important to spend time here because it is such a big connection point with your clients. Like, even though you might see your clients on a regular basis, week to week, sometimes multiple times per week, hopefully, there are still going to be things that you might not be able to talk about with your clients or open into. And I like to think about marketing as a way for you to reach your clients on a different level through a different medium that is safe. So for example, in my business, there are definitely things that are associated with the health and fitness goals that our ladies try and achieve and are achieving that are vulnerable and can be can be wrapped around shame sometimes. So if we think about standard goals that we have, someone wants to get stronger, someone wants to get out of pain, um, someone wants to focus on body composition goals, like it's not just as easy as, hey, here's the training program, here's some suggestions, guidance around food, etc. 
Like it's never just as easy as follow this plan. If it was that case, then obviously everyone would be getting results, but they don't because there is a lot of things underneath the person that impact the results that they get. And sometimes it's not appropriate to go and have a big jugular conversation with someone and hit them in the throat and go, hey, I want to talk about why you're overeating at nighttime. Like what is going on? Like that's too aggressive for some people. So I think about marketing as a way that you can start to introduce topics and introduce conversations that are can feel safe because sometimes it's safer for someone to see an initial post on Instagram and just kind of like open up that lens a little bit, sit with it a little bit and kind of plant the seed. And then then you can start to gain some trust and rapport by doing that. And then that will put you in a better position to start to open that up with you and her in a face-to-face conversation. And I think sometimes we forget that as a coach, okay, cool. Um, they want to they wanna have this health and fitness goal. I'm just going to ask them. But we don't often respect where they might be or what has led them to be in a position where they're not achieving their goals. And I like to think about marketing like that as like being little planters. Like you can plant seeds there for your clients to feel comfortable so that they can then come to you when they also feel comfortable to open in further. So that's how I like to think about marketing is what can you do to be helping your current clients more, helping them open into some deeper stuff that's impacting their results? You know, how can you be a better coach for them? That's one way I like to think about it. And the other way I like to think about marketing is what can you be doing to have those same conversations that you might have with your clients, but how can you reach new clients? And how can you, you know, widen your reach as a coach in business to then attract other people into your sphere so that you can build your brand and you can build your authority as a coach. And then that's ultimately going to impact your business, obviously from lead generation, sales, people asking to work with you, all that kind of stuff. And the other thing that I want to leave you on with this topic is start exploring different marketing channels. It's not just about social media. There are things like you can go and put your face out there. Like when was the last time you went to the coffee shop and you're like, hey, um, I just wanted to say hi and introduce myself. And this is what I do at the gym down the road. I come here every second day for a coffee um, and I always say hello to you, but I just, you know, thought I'd let you know what I do. Like that's another marketing channel is directly having a conversation with someone. So I think it is a worthwhile task is to be looking at what you can do to widen your reach, to expand your brand, to gain authority, etc. Um, and one thing that I hear from coaches all the time is they always say to me, I want to build a community. Um, God, I, I, God, I hear that a lot. I really want to build a community. I don't just want to be a coach that has like one client here, one client here. I want them to actually, you know, get connected. And I'm like, okay, fantastic. Um, however, you are not going to build a community if you are not in a position or you feel comfortable to start, you know, brainstorming your messaging, what you stand for, what you stand against, um, getting out there, putting yourself out there in person, networking, putting things on social media, getting on video. Um, if you are not in a position or you haven't started entertaining your marketing messages and you know who you are and who you work with, then how can you expect to, to grow a community? Because a community come together on like-minded things. And if you're not presenting like-minded things or messages or eth- a training ethos or you know values or anything like that, like why 
why would individual people come and even entertain being in a community with you? So marketing can be used for that. If you are constantly a coach that says, I really want to build a community. So, you know, focal point number five is keep your finger on the pulse of marketing and marketing can seem confusing and seem convoluted and it can be, um, but I like to think about it like that. Dealing with your current clients and helping them more and then also expanding who you are, who you work with, your reach to then acquire new clients and, and build that community that so many coaches want. So I hope that made sense with those topics that I've talked about today. Um, we have to remember, like I said, that the last kind of point that I want to leave you with is that everything is on a continuum. The problems that I had at year one, lead generation, sales, coaching, systems, well, they were barely a fucking thing in year one, marketing, that was barely something in year one. The continuum of things of these topics will look a certain way year one and then year seven, which I'm in now, um, year seven, it's going to be a whole new kettle of fish, but the topics are going to be the same. So I, you know, I know that I'm really great at sales because I'm really good at having conversations with people. And I've learned to get good at sales because I've kept my finger on the pulse and and have really respected that this is like a coaching practice in itself. This is a whole other skill set. And I'm in a position now where I'm selling like expensive programs. I'm asking people to invest significant amounts of money in the work that I do. And in order to be able to stand confidently and, and ask and present that price, I need to have good conversations and stand by what I do and, and have the ability to tell people what I charge and not feel awkward about it or like I don't deserve it or whatever it might be. So the continuum of these topics will forever change when you're in the industry. And I do have conversations with client uh, coaches over and over again and that these things just keep coming up whether you're year one or year seven. So that's what I want to leave you with is just think about these problems on the continuum. And you've also got to remember just to be a bit kind to yourself, like your sales are going to be shit at year one compared to year five. Um, so, you know, it's always a learning curve. And as you keep going along and as you keep experiencing these focal points and, and learning to get better and, and expanding your knowledge, you'll continue to grow and you'll get better at these skill sets. But you're not going to get better at them if you don't fucking keep your finger on the pulse. All right, guys, I hope that gave you some things to think about. Um, I hope that has, you know, sparked some thoughts of where you might want to push your energy in terms of some ongoing education and learning. And I will speak with y'all next week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, I'm going to leave you with some really exciting news because I have my very first group program launching on September the 14th called The Power Program. Now, this is a program that's designed for female coaches in the fitness industry that are ready to start pushing their business into legitimate business ownership. Um, there is no prerequisite for how long you've had to be in the business. What we are doing though is if you're wanting to get to a position where you either want to increase your earnings, you want to be able to get your clients better results, or you want to expand your business, this program is for you and it starts to tackle through the six ways that I run my business called the six business buckets. Um, and we're going to be setting some real trackable measures before we start this program and making sure that come March, we are getting those things as a result. Um, now, it's only 10 ladies. And the reason is, is because I want to get these ladies good results. I'm not interested in having lots of people where we can't fuck around. So it is for someone that is ready to jump in and start to open into some, some stuff that has quite frankly been holding them back. 
Now, I've actually filled six spots already um, after having the waitlist open for two days. So that means I have got four more spots available um, and now I'm opening it up to other coaches in the fitness industry. So anyone in Australia, this is definitely for you. So if you wanted to hear more information, you can head to my website, www.womaninstrength.com.au and then you'll be able to see the program, Power Program. Um, You can also follow me on Instagram with womeninstrength underscore. So I hope that is something that you're excited about um, because I know that I'm just fucking raring to go. I'll talk to you all next week. Bye.